We're going to be talking about King Josiah today in Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 34. R- really, we're going to be spanning a couple of chapters, but we're going to run through his life, but have just a few points to, to bring out about King Josiah. Now, this is the last in our series on the portrait of the kings. And I, I love this. I love this so much. I don't know why. I mean, it's really just history, I suppose, but it's the Word of God, and it has so much... I, I just have fallen in love with this, and I, I trust that some of that uh, you are enjoying as well. But King Josiah, we come to the end. You see, we started with King Solomon, and what a start that was. King of gold and glory. What a start that was. And then we moved on from king to king. You had Asa, great king, great king, great prayer warrior king, and you had Jehoshaphat, the great reformer that he was, and you had uh, Uzziah, and you had Hezekiah, and now we come to Josiah, and Josiah is the last of the great kings. It's like the Lord saved the best for last, in a sense. This is what, this is why this king gives me so much encouragement, and I want you to be encouraged as well. Because right after King Josiah, basically he's flanked before and after by bad kings. So before, you know, you had Manasseh, who was really a very bad king. Of course, he repented and turned around, but he was very wicked, and he's known for his wickedness. His son, Ammon, even worse, wicked, wicked as the day is long. Uh, And then you have Josiah. And then you have the last chapter of Second Chronicles. The very last chapter. Let me make sure I get it right. Yeah, chapter 36. The last chapter of Second Chronicles. You've got four kings in there. It's like they all fall like dominoes. All bad kings. And then that's it. There's no more kings. The kings are gone. Jerusalem, Judah, it's destroyed. The Babylonians come and they just wipe it out, burn it to the ground, and it's just rubble. And of course, from there you have Daniel going into, and his friends going into Babylon, and and all of that. But the king, the era of the kings is over. And so Josiah is the last of the great kings. And let's see what we can learn about King Josiah. In chapter thirty-four, eight years old when he began to reign. Verse two: He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Verse 3, in the eighth year of his reign. That means when he was 16. While he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. First thing I think we can learn is just while he was young, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the Lord. This, to me... Again, and this sounds like a broken record, but this is a prayer meeting, so we want to emphasize and encourage this. This highlights the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. The first thing that we read about this great king, this last great king, while he was yet young, he began to seek the Lord. He began to seek the Lord. And so this is the priority of prayer. We want to make sure that we hear these words and, and follow this instruction very well. There is a priority here. 
first thing as he's 16 years old and he's young. Doesn't You don't have to be an older person to begin to seek the Lord. You can seek the Lord while you are very young, a teenager. And that's what we're praying for. And by the way, that's why we're praying for our children, isn't it? I mean, we, we read this about King Josiah and we love it. But we, there's, a, there's a sense where we want this for our own kids. We, we would love for our own kids to begin to seek the Lord while they are yet young. So don't just read this as, oh, that's ancient history and that's nice and Josiah was great. has no relevance to me whatsoever. No, may that spur us to pray for our kids so that, or our grandkids so that while they are yet young, don't don't think to yourself that well they're not they're not old enough to understand prayer or the things of god that's that would be i would say a deception of the devil the devil would would want us to believe that no but while he was yet young he began to seek the lord and that's why again, again i say we want to pray specifically for our prodigals. We want to pray for our children. We want to pray for our prodigals. Let's pray for them. Let's pray that there there will be a generation that seeks the Lord. Let's pray for that. Let's pray that for our generation, that it will be a generation that begins to seek the Lord. Maybe we haven't, but there can be a beginning. There can be a, a beginning to this. May it begin Maybe it's beginning already. But let's keep seeking the Lord. The other thing I want you to notice here is that it says that he began to seek after the God of David, his father. David was not his father. His earthly father was Ammon, and he was a wicked father. But this communicates that his real father, his real his real father in spirit was David. And you know, um, this was uh, encouraging to me because you know you read that and like, wait a second, Ammon was his father. Well, we all have earthly fathers too. We all have earthly lines, our ancestors. You know, I remember um, when I was younger and my father gave me a book, I don't know where it is, it's, it's long gone, but it's like a book of my ancestors. And we go all the way back, it's just all these names go all the way back to really centuries, I think. And you have these dynasties and you have these kings and, you know, we can trace our line back and all this. Um, I don't know how accurate it was really, but but the point is, I don't feel any connection to those ancestors, really. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I, I come from that line. But my ancestors, my real forefathers, are these kings. They are. I, I feel these are my forefathers. Or the great reformers. You know, we talk about the reformers or the Puritans. I'm, I'm Korean uh, ethnically. And so it doesn't make sense for me to say, yes, I see them as my forefathers. But they are. They really are. And I, I have no problem saying that. 
So you look at a George Whitfield or a John Wesley or a Jonathan Edwards, or you go back even to the apostles, you know, Peter, James, and John, and you go back to these kings, and I see myself as being in their line. Even though I'm... And, and you may be in, in any corner of the world. We have folks here from Africa, from Far East Asia, from South America, wherever. You are part of the line. And by the way, that's very biblical because Jesus Christ is our elder brother. We all have the same heavenly father. We're part of the family of God. We are really and truly in the same family. So this isn't just sort of wishful thinking. We're... Whenever we're reading this, anything out of, the, out of the Bible, this book of the law, this is our family. This is, we're part of this. We're part of this line. So when we read the Psalms of David, when we read the Kings, we can feel like this is not, this is not to do with us. No, this is, this is to do with us. And that should give us tremendous comfort and encouragement especially if you're far from these corners of the world like i am but our brethren and whether it's india or africa and they feel like well it's not really for me you know race is a terrible divider and the world is using race in a in a terribly destructive way it's skin color friends it's the color of your skin and and yet you, you see our nation so divided, hopelessly divided by race. You see what's going on in America? And now all this thing against white people and... What president is going to unite? What president is going to solve that? The only thing that will solve this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because then we are truly and really brought into the same family, regardless of race. And it's a real union. Oh, it's so real. It's so real. That will transform any nation. You know, you have all these people, uh, presidents saying, economic prosperity is going to unite the people. No, it won't. It's just going to create more envy and strife and division and classes and all this. Or trying to have everybody be the same color is going to unite the people. No, it won't. You have people down in um, Mexico that are all Mexicans. So I, I visited down there. And you have um, people that live in the mountains, for example, the Nahuatl people. And they're, they're a little darker skinned and a little shorter stature. And then you have the, the sort of the regular Mexican people, if I can say it that way, who live down in the cities. There is such prejudice now, they're all Mexican people, but there is such prejudice between the Nahuatl people and, and the others. So you're not going to get rid of it, this, this division, by just making them all Mexicans or making them all you know, white Americans or, or whatever. That's not going to happen. The gospel of Jesus Christ. What's the second thing we can learn about this godly king, Josiah? Oh, boy. He rediscovered, he rediscovered the book of, of the law. So I would say the preciousness of the word. The preciousness of the word. And you see that in chapter 34. In chapter 34, if you just read it down by, by yourself, we're not going to take the time to do this, but it starts in verse 14 when the priest, he found 
the book, the book, the book of all books. And he tells the scribe, Shaphan, I have found the book. I found the book in the house of the Lord. And Shaphan, what does it say in verse 16? He carries the book to the king. Can you just see him? This precious book. You can just see him just delicately, with great joy almost, taking this book that they discovered to the king. And then what do they do? They begin to read the book. It says there in verse 18, And Shaphan read it before the king. You can just see the king sitting on his throne, getting ready to hear this book that's been long forgotten. Just it's, it's the greatest thing they're about to do. He's sitting there, Shaphan sitting there. Perhaps there's a table with cloth on it. The book is there. They open the first page and they start to read. The, the preciousness of the word, the rediscovery of the word. And I believe that this is instructive for us today. Now, the word was, already, was always there. The book was always there. It was just hidden. It was in the temple for all those years. It was neglected, and then it was forgotten, but it was always there. And I believe that's something of what we have here today, too. You would say, well, we have the Word of God. We have it everywhere. We have it on our phones. We have it multiple copies in our houses. But do we really? Just having it there doesn't mean that it's opened and read and obeyed, right? I think we understand that. So this is the rediscovery of the Word of God, the Book of God. And that's, I believe, what we need too. We need to have a, not just copies of the Bible, we need to actually treat it with, with, the, 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 with a sense of preciousness. This is God's Word. We talked about the law of the Lord is perfect. It is sure. It makes wise the simple. You know, it's right. It rejoices the heart. It's pure. Purified seven times. Nothing on this earth is that pure. Word of God is pure. And, uh, and this is what we have. All of us, we have access to the Word of God. And you know, you have uh, preachers preaching, and, but it just seems that there could be the, the danger of really just using the Word of God as a source for your own talks. You know, it's a springboard. And you're not really reading it. Or we can be examining it and parsing the Greek and doing all this. Almost like you're doing an autopsy on a corpse. And it's just so perfect and so right what we're doing to it. We're taking it apart so well, but we're not actually reading it as it is the Word of God. It's the rediscovery he rediscovered the book of the law. And he opened it, he read it, and he obeyed it. What's the third thing that we'll say about Josiah? Well, very, very quickly, is that Josiah, you know, he reinstituted the Passover, and he did it in a very scriptural way, where there was great preparation of heart, and there was great sanctification, and they did according to all the word of the Lord in the book. And they sang according to the words of David and Asaph, and it says in Second uh, Chronicles 35, verse 18, there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. 
Neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept. There was no Passover like this. This is the height. I mean, we're talking about Samuel the prophet. This is before David. This is surpassing even Solomon and all these kings. There was no Passover kept since the days of Samuel the prophet. This is this is wonderful. This is why I say this is kind of like, in my mind, gives me hope. It gives me hope. And in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25, we read something very interesting, talking about King Josiah, one more angle. Listen to this. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. That's an amazing statement. That's why I say the Lord saved the best for last. And this gives me great hope. I see this as the prospect of revival. So we talked about the priority of prayer, talked about the preciousness of the word, and the prospect of revival. Look how late in the timeline it is. We're at the very end, at the end of Second Chronicles even, very second to the last chapter of the book. After that, the kings are gone. Look how late it is. It's the 11th hour, and God sent the greatest revival, if I can say it that way. It was a reformation like none other. And look how late in the day it is with us. It, we are at the end of the end. I think we can agree to that. We are, we are certainly closer to the end than we were yesterday. And yet the Lord can still do something that will, dare I say, outshine the first, second, and third great awakenings with Edwards and the reformers in the, in the Protestant Reformation and even the day of Pentecost. Can he? Absolutely he can. And so this gives me hope. It gives me a prospect. A prospect that God will still do his greatest work yet. And we should pray for that. Pray to that end. So let's seek the Lord now together in prayer. Amen.